So uh, my name is John Johnson, and Pastor Dave asked me to come and share in uh, this series you're in right now, and that is Wisdom in a Disorienting World. So I want to talk about hope, and uh, it seems really a fitting uh, topic, given the fact that I, I'm sure you must feel this. There's so much hopelessness uh, around the world right now, especially when you look at Afghanistan and look at Lebanon and Becca, where I've been numerous times, and I can just see it in the faces of people, to our own sense of hopelessness. So before I uh, look at a particular uh, proverb, because wisdom does speak about hope, let me pray. Dear God, uh, may you speak, open our hearts to everything you want uh, to say and everything you want us to hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you have, maybe you've not uh, seen a book by Karen Rinaldi. It's, uh, it's recent, and, and in fact, the title is, It's Great to Suck at Something. And in it, she declares the pain uh, that she has experienced in, in surfing, something she's done for much of her life. She's traveled to beach destinations worldwide. She's spent uh, lots and lots of dollars on surfboards of all kinds. And yet, as she puts it, I suck at it. She falls, she flails, she gets hit by her own board, and rarely is she ever graceful. Still, this self-proclaimed preacher of the gospel of suckitude uh, maintains hope that the next time, just maybe the next wave, it will be different. And in a way, that's true of all of us. We have our own next time, our next hope. It might not be mastering a wave. It might be, well, maybe it's tennis or, or putting things together, or writing a book, or maybe simply balancing a checkbook. But when we come to Proverbs, it tells us that hope is, well, it's part of life. Uh, we're all four-leaf clover collectors, as John Ortberg once put it. Though, as this proverb tells us, it has its own pain. Proverbs thirteen twelve, we read these words, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, the first thing we notice is that in this proverb, like many proverbs, there's no exhortation, no prohibition, just a a psychological observation of the way life works. Sometimes, uh, the sage uh, tells us here, our, our hopes are delayed. We wake up, we get up in the morning with anticipation, expectation, a certain suspense that we're going to conquer the wave. But then things are deferred, delayed, prolonged. The word literally speaks of something drawn out, sort of like a bungee cord to its very limits. And all of us know something of this delay, where you feel cheated of fulfillment. Maybe a, a career that's not coming together, or hope for one ship to come in, or hope for a mate or a family, hope for some relief from a long illness, hope that some injustice you feel will be replaced with justice, hope a son or daughter will find their way, or a business deal may materialize. The hope, yeah, the hope this pandemic will come to an end. But there it is, still part of life, just like masks. 
And when this happens, what the sage is telling us is that when hope is thwarted, there is a, a sickness of the heart, as he puts it, this dull grayness. Ho- hoping, you see, has the potential to break our hearts. Now, the symptoms vary, and you probably know them. There can be a, a slow fatigue as part of this heart sickness. Life begins to feel debilitating. We have a couple who have been longtime friends, and they, they have a son that they have hoped and hoped will find his way. But the older he gets, the more he seems to not find uh, his way. He's increasingly lost, and it has created a dullness at times in them, a weariness, this sickness of heart the sage is talking about. And over time, this slow fatigue that or the first symptoms can morph into a, a demanding kind of spirit. Deferred hopes begin to make us impatient in the waiting. In this sickness, we can become cranky and, and peevish, right? Irritable, crushed by the last wave, worn out by the last day of 100-degree heat with smoke in the air, the last COVID scare. We find ourselves, as we begin to get wearied, we become this demanding where we just want to say, enough of this. Larry Crabb, in his book Inside Out, speaks to this as he looks at Job, kind of exhibit A in the Bible. He, he starts off with, with hope that it has not materialized. It's been deferred, and he starts to feel the sickness, and he waits, and he hopes But over time, if you see the progression in Job, it moves from how long, oh God, to are you hearing my prayers, to do you really care, to finally about halfway through the book, Job just says, enough, God, stop it. Or sometimes the the symptoms uh, are more of we just give up. I, I mentor uh, a, a man I've known for, for many years, and he's a businessman, and it seems like for months he's had this deal that's just about to come together that will bring a huge sum of money. And every week it's sort of the same delay. And I, I finally said to him a few days ago, maybe God would have you think about what you're going to do if that materializes. And right away, can tell the sickness had set in. It's like, I've been there, done that. Um, no, I, I don't have that kind of hope. He's played that tape. But the sage, uh, coming back on the other side in this antithetical parallelism, because Proverbs is poetry of lines, and sometimes the lines are just the opposite. And in the opposite line, he tells us, but longing fulfilled is a tree of life. To say that sometimes our hopes, our desires, our dreams are fulfilled. Longings materialize, prayers get answered. A concealed birthday wish comes true. And when this happens, he tells us it's like a tree of life, an Old Testament metaphor that that, that is symbolic of something uh, that's like a taste of Eden, a, a, a taste of heaven. Suddenly, energy Uh, pulsates through our veins. It feels like the sun has finally come out. So what do we do? We read this observation, but Proverbs 
are meant to slow us down. That's why they are written in the literary form of poetry. The sage wants us to, to think about this contrast. We stand right in the middle, like between two speakers, to get the full impact, a deferred hope, desire fulfilled. To step back, and what in every proverb we need to do is to do some assessing, ask ourselves, so what is God saying to me here? What is he asking? The first thing that comes to my mind, because I have pondered this proverb for many years, first thing that I think through is, I think God's asking, what are, what are my hopes? What am I dreaming? That's a really important question. What am I anticipating? What am I longing for? If someone asks, asks you to envision your life, well, how would you answer? Maybe it's a relational hope. Maybe you're hoping for reconciliation. You're hoping a spouse might once again love you. Maybe it's a career hope, hope for a future, a clarity of direction. You've been waiting and hoping for a door to answer. Maybe there's just this hope of recognition by others. Maybe yours is more physical, hope for healing. It's been a long, long suffering that you hope comes to an end. Or maybe it's a, ham a family hope, a hope, hope to find a mate, hope to become pregnant, hope, hope maybe for an adoption, maybe the hope to own a home. Or maybe you're somewhere thinking a lot, especially in these days, especially this week, of national hope. Hope that our nation might somehow recover, come back, find its way, restore its dignity and honor. Or maybe if you travel, as I often do, there's just hope for the world where there's so much pain and suffering. And you, you hope, you just, you can see faces. I've actually spoken this proverb in a tent in the Bekaa Valley with Syrian people, filled with hopelessness. And when I think about this proverb, sometimes I think about those hopes. So what are you hoping? This is, I think, the first thing as we reflect, meditate, I like the word peditate, walk and think. What are my hopes? Here's the second question. And this is a more painful question, and that is, why are my hopes deferred? Why does life sometimes feel like a long DMV line? I mean, sometimes our hopes can feel like they've been put on layaway for a long time. I wake up sometimes like you with these expectations and they don't materialize. I place my hopes in, in someone and they don't change. This proverb is forcing me, you see, forcing you to ask, why does this happen? Now, this is not exhaustive, but I think here might be some reasons. It could be that uh, your hope or my hope is not connected to reality. Wisdom is all about reality. That's what wisdom is. It's living in the actualities of life. Those are wise people. They 
uh, are the kind of people, the wise are those who move out of their fictions. So this proverb is calling me to ask the question, am I living in some fantasy that will never happen? That, that might be part of the reason for the deferredness. I was walking this morning in my neighborhood. I came across a family I've known for years, a wonderful family, but uh, just the debilitating illnesses and, and all has, has left both of them in a difficult place. He, the husband was trying to help his wife in the car, and she did not even have the strength to get into her seat until I helped lift her up and lift her legs to get in uh, the car so she could go. And I thought, you know, one of my hopes is to escape the limitations that come with age. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not really connected to reality. So I have to ask myself, what I'm hoping for, is that really possible? The second question here is, is could it be God is waiting for me? Sometimes the stretching out deferred hope reflects a lack, of, a lack of willingness, not on God's part, but maybe my part. Maybe I need to stop and ask, am I willing to pay the price, spend the time required in prayer? Sometimes Deferred hope has everything to do with our unwillingness to step up. You can hope for a great marriage, but such hopes rely on a certain determination and intentionality. You can hope to see the world, but this will require a certain amount of investing. You might hope to be published, but I can tell you, after just finishing my third book, this requires a lot of tenacity and determination to work through the myriad of rejections. One can hope for a certain recognition, but this will require a certain accomplishment. Sometimes we're crying, we're crying out to God, God, how long? And maybe God is saying, you tell me. We see this in a proverb like 2125, a slacker's craving will kill him because his hands refuse to work. So those are questions we, this proverb is forcing us to ask. Maybe, maybe God is asking here, could it be my hopes are disconnected from faith? And what I mean by this is sometimes hopes are deferred because they're too small. Maybe this delay is God's grace saying, you got to dream bigger. Your ambitions are way too trivial way too minor because the reality is they don't require any trust you don't need God sometimes our hopes are too local when maybe we need to step back and think globally maybe they're way too earthbound and we need to be thinking more from an eternal perspective but it also could be that God is using this deferred hope, the sickness that comes with it, to simply mature our lives, like a harvest that requires patient waiting for things to come to full growth. I think the sage is saying there will be hopes that it's inescapable that there will be a deferredness to them. 
because God is doing something in our lives. It could be if you're in this waiting period, God is seasoning you. I, I remember when I graduated from seminary, I'd worked really hard, got my first master's degree, worked on a second master's degree, was in ministry. I thought, yeah, I'm going to be a high draft round choice. But a year later, I was waiting by the phone, waiting by the mailbox, spreading bark dust for my father-in-law's property management company. I started to really get deep into this deferred hope sickness. My wife had to sometimes get me out of bed. I just started to give up. But I look back now and realize it wasn't because God was absent-minded or too busy, because the reality is God knows me better than I know myself. He was maturing me. There was another course I needed to take, and it's called Waiting 101. It's one of the hardest courses, but one of the best courses of life. So think about Proverbs this way. It's, it's how we must approach them. I, perhaps I'm modeling a bit by taking just one proverb, trying to go deep, because that's what Proverbs calls us to do. So what do you observe? What is he saying? What is God using this to say to you? We need to listen. But we also need to listen for this. We need to listen for the exhortation. Because behind every observation, and most Proverbs are observations of life, there is a command. There's something God is calling us to. As I've thought about this verse over the years, this is what I hear God saying. The first thing is, okay, so make sure your hope's in the right place. Make sure your hope is in the right people. Make sure your hope is in the right direction. Make sure your hope is in the right God. Because ultimately our hopes begin and end with Jesus and the work he accomplished on the cross. Apart from him, our lives are hopeless. So make sure your hope is where it needs to be. That it's residing in God and then moving out to the right people, the right direction. The second command I hear out of this observation is let deferred hopes do their developmental work, as I just mentioned. My temptation is when I go through this sickness is to force my way out of it. When I need to sometimes just wait, just sit down and hope and trust and let the Spirit do his growing up of me. Or this heart sickness may get worse. But here's the third command, and this is one I want to develop for a moment because it's really important, and that is keep fulfilled longings in proper perspective. That longed-for offer, that confirmation uh, that one has the same affection, that diploma at the end of a long road, that clean bill of health, writing that perfect way, getting the book published, is a tree of life that's true. And there are times, as he says, when longing is fulfilled, it's, we'll, we'll taste and drink and take it in. There are times in our life, yes, dance, party. We should. We should rejoice when hope is fulfilled. Uh, today, uh, I got word from the publisher 
in my book that the senior editor has signed off and said I'm good to go to be published next year. So tonight I'm taking my daughter to P.F. Chang. I'm going to celebrate. It's a taste of the tree of life. But the wisdom here is calling us, however, to be careful. Because fulfilled desires this side of heaven go only so far. We won't find the perfect house. It will have its cracks. We won't find this flawless relationship we're waiting for. There's too much sin in all of us. There will never be absolute justice until we get to heaven. We will all experience certain injustices. It will never be the ideal job. It always seems that way. Everything's in place. We celebrate that first day, but the workplace has its headaches. Getting a book published is great, but it's not the end of my problems. Ultimate fulfillment only happens on the other side. All of life is spent east of Eden in the wilderness here. We're homeless exiles. We're pilgrims on our way. We're made for another world. So be careful with hope and desire. Be careful with setting yourself up with unrealistic hopes. Be wary of hopes that become obsessions, that become idols. And be careful with the tree of life. It's only a taste. There's, to use another metaphor, there is the manna of occasional foretaste of heaven, this overwhelming sense of joy, this deep rest, this profound intimacy, this cabin in the wilderness. But they're not heaven. They're not designed to be. There's a glory in it, but, but wait. And then I hear God giving one final exhortation that I, I think we all must keep, no matter what, and that is keep hoping. We're made to hope. As Eldridge put it, not a symphony has been written, a mountain climbed, an injustice fought, a love sustained apart from desire, apart from hope. So keep chasing the next wave, so to speak. Maybe I could say, and I thought about this today, hope while you can, because in heaven there will be no hope. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's just that I could be wrong, but I don't think hope will have a place in heaven. Life will be fulfilled. Uh, God, God is bringing us to this place, this glorious place with him, and having him will be enough. So hope seems to be what we live with on this side. Just make sure, as what this book is all about, is to be wise with it. Years ago, I was in a season my first church, I had invested a lot of years. I was ready for a change. I didn't know if God remembered where I lived. And one day, as it's been my practice to reflect and meditate on Proverbs every day. It was the tw- 23rd of the month I remembered that. It was Proverbs 23. I can still remember right where I was, on this corner of the street where I lived. I came to verse 18. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. And it was one of those moments when it felt like God's words lifted off the page and were directed right at me. 
And I have to tell you, many, many years later, that, among a few others, have become my life verses. Surely there's a future. Your hope won't be cut off. I, I have taken that and has got me through the dark times. Because we all need to live with hope, especially in these days. Let me pray. Dear God, maybe there are some who are listening to this feeling hopeless, maybe feeling a sense of despair, maybe a wave of cynicism is seeking to get into the doorway of the heart. And I pray, Lord, that you'd ward it off with hope. Give us the patience. Give us the trust. Give us the long-suffering. And then, Lord, we pray for those moments we will taste the tree of life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.